I'm Danny, that witch next door. And you're listening to That Witch Podcast. today. If you're listening to this today on Tuesday, March 7th, um, hi, how's your full moon going? How's your energy feeling today? Is it any different than yesterday now that we're technically on the other side of the full moon now? Likely when you're listening to this, uh, probably a little while after full moon exact, um, still might be having a little bit of excess energy, uh, and know that we are now winding down to our next new moon for some nice peace and quiet. <laughs> At least that's how I usually experience the new moons myself. Um, Hi, how's your Pisces season going? It's the middle of Pisces season. We just had full moon smack dab in the middle of it. How are you doing? How are your feels? If you need a nice little self-check-in and you didn't already listen to yesterday's Moon Day episode, make sure you go back and do that. We did a really nice check-in just to see where we're at this week and and see how we can best meet our, our needs for ourselves. I am so excited for today's episode. I honestly want to just dive straight in because this is something that I've wanted to talk about for a while. And I just was like, why am I not? putting this on the episode schedule. So here we are. And I'm really exciting. Uh, I'm really excited. (laughs) Astrology for caregiving. I originally titled this Astrology for Parenting. But we're going to talk a little bit about parenting versus caregiving and how we can, how we all really do connect to this energy regardless of our own lifestyle choices. So even if you are not a parent, I want you to know that this episode is for you because whether you are an actual parent or a caregiver or not, that archetype, that journey is in you because we all needed caregiving at at least one point in our lives. Everybody enters this world and needs some kind of caregiving. Now, what that caregiving looked like for you, how it was exemplified to you, yeah, definitely varies person to person. But it was a journey that you experienced. Everybody comes into this world and is a dependent at some point and needs to be given care for which is essentially how we are taught and how we learn how to give out any caregiving. And again, regardless of if you actually have a child or not, you are somebody that needs to work with your caregiving abilities. Um, And I'll tell you why. Because the parent-child archetype right off of the bat is the same or synonymous with the caregiver-dependent archetype. And what I mean is when I say caregiver-dependent, I'm just giving really, really broad, general, overarching terms so that it could fit with any kind of caregiver-dependent relationship of any kind. It could be one outside of yourself where you or someone you know is a caregiver of a dependent. And that journey also exists within ourselves because no matter who you are, as life goes on, you become more and more responsible for caring for yourself. We are driven to this in our nature. Our our natural drive is to learn how to take care of ourselves. This is why we see children and teenagers totally reject authority and say, you know, I know, I already know, I can do it, I can do it myself. And we can hear those words 
both in a toddler voice and a teenager voice. But the truth is, like, we can relate to this too. How many times have you had a job where maybe you had a supervisor or a boss that is a total micromanager? And you're like, I got this. I know how to do this. Let me just do this on my own. It's in our nature to want to learn and do things for ourselves. Efficiency um, is part of that for sure. But I, I really think deep at its core, it's because we care. It's because we want to. And this is why I love the term caregiving because it has that term or that word care embedded within it. And it really is kind of a key to everything. Um, you do kind of have to give a shit about it in order to be even a little bit good at it. Um, so I want to just say, before I dive in to explaining essentially what I want to do in this episode is teach you how to use your chart to be a better caregiver, to be a better parent. And that can be for your own children. That could be for any dependents in your life that you give care for. And it can also be for yourself, whether that's literally reparenting your inner child or just trying to reprogram how you speak to yourself and how you take care of yourself, especially during times of distress, okay? Um, so before we dive into all the kind of concrete tips and, and astrological direction I can give you for your chart, I do have a disclaimer um, about utilizing astrology to predict really big events and experiences like parenthood. As somebody who has read many, many, many charts now, I want you to know that there is no perfect, clear indication one way or another. Yes, you're going to be a parent and have children. Or no, you're definitely not. I have seen many charts. And the truth is, is that you could look at them both ways. The information could technically be interpreted one way or the other. I've seen people with an empty fifth house and they are definitely a person that's like, no, no, I am not interested in having children. That's just not an area of focus for me in this life. It's not something that I want. And I've seen people with an empty fifth house who are incredible parents who love their children very much present throughout their whole lives, have very secure attachment style with them. So there, I, I really, really, really wanted to give this, this disclaimer because first of all, that's probably the most, that's probably the most common one. You see an empty house and you think I must be doomed. I must not be able to access that area of my life. Nothing's going to happen for me in that area of life. That's not true. That's not true at all. It's literally not true. I just want you to know that. There is no skipping out on any of the houses. I it, I totally understand. Even if you're like, no, Danny, no, you don't know how many empty houses I have. I have so many empty houses. That, that must mean, yeah. It does mean, there is a meaning. Yes, there's an interpretation there. Absolutely, of course, that's what astrology is for. However, I'll tell you what it definitely doesn't mean. It does not mean you get to skip those areas of life. It doesn't work that way. Um, we are born, we are the chart. Let me remind you, we are the chart. So whether you're using your birth chart or the chart for your children or loved ones or dependents, whatever charts you're gonna be using, um, for, for this episode, I, I want you to know that when you're looking at that chart, you're looking at that whole person. And when you think of it that way, I hope that you're like, oh, no wonder it looks so complex <laughs> because we are so freaking complex. Um, there is no skipping, you know, just because you have an empty 12th house, it doesn't mean you can't access your 12th house or, or 
I, I, it's hard for me to even put into words. Usually the phrasing that's given to me is I don't have anything there. So does that mean I don't need to worry about that? Or I don't have anything in that house. Does that mean nothing's ever going to happen for me there? No, it definitely doesn't mean that. The planets are all constantly in their orbit. And they're always somewhere in your chart. And the sun and the moon are perfect examples. Um, you know, the moon moves every two and a half days about. In one, one lunar cycle, in about 29 days, the moon moves through all 12 signs of the zodiac. So the moon alone activates your empty houses once a month, every single lunar cycle. The sun Every year that it travels through month by month, sign to sign, because it takes the sun about one month to, to transit an entire sign. You know, when the sun is in that sign that's in that house for you in your chart, that house is being activated for you. That area of life is being illuminated for you. We don't get to skip out on any of that. It's all part of the bag. That's why it's all in the chart. Okay. Look at the chart like the bag. The bag that you take a deal, we're doing this earth life. The deal you make is you get that chart bag and what comes with it? All 12 of those major areas of life or those 12 astrological houses. Um, so whether it's an empty house or a sign that you don't have any placements in, but Danny, I don't have any Leo, but Danny, I don't have any Taurus. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It again, I promise you that every single chart you look at, it totally depends on the free will and choice of that person. So you have say in what you're going to do with that astrological bag that you take into this life. And, and if you are a person that is making a choice not to be a biological parent in this life or, or not to be a caregiver in that traditional parenting setting, that's okay. And you still have your own version of the journey as a caregiver, um, especially, especially if nothing else because of the caregiver that you are for yourself. Now, when it comes to predicting, like, somebody who really wants to be a parent and they want to use their chart to see if that's something they're, you know, destined for in this life. I, there's a lot of different ways to go about that and a lot of different ways I feel about it. It makes sense to me why we would seek things like that. There's things that I guess, yeah, I'd like to know about my life. Um, if I could know it, but truth be told, there are a lot of things about my life that even if I could ask, I don't think I'd want the answer to, because I don't know how helpful it actually would be. So my question that I would pose to you that I would encourage you to ask yourself, whether it's astrology, tarot, whatever spiritual mode um, that you're moving through and your intention is to ask it, will I ever get pregnant or will I ever have a kid? Will I ever get married? Um, I want you to ask yourself why you're asking. Why do you want to know? And what would it change? One way or another. What would it change right now if the answer was no? And what would it change if the answer was yes? Hopefully, at the end of all of it, what I'm trying to guide you to is hopefully at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is live your most aligned and authentic life and whatever that means and whatever that unfolds for you so that you can utilize information like astrology and like tarot and divination and spirit messages to access the full potential of your life in this incarnation and not to try and manipulate and control it. That's all I'm going to say about that, all right? Um, because I'm not going to use this episode to teach you how to predict a pregnancy in your chart, because the truth is I have no idea to do how to do that because I've never tried to teach myself how to 
predict things like that. I don't use astrology that way. So it would be ineffective for me to try to teach astrology in that way. What I do want to do is I want to teach you today how to use astrology to be a better caregiver in whatever capacity caregiver means for you in this life. And that I do think is helpful no matter who you are and where you come from. So First and foremost, when we're talking about parenting and astrology, there are some key main players we definitely have to mention. When it comes to traditional astrology, we're definitely going to be talking about the moon and we're definitely going to be talking about Saturn. Now, I don't know about you and where you started learning about astrology, but for me, I remember being taught more than once that the moon can be really seen as your mom and Saturn can be seen as your dad in the chart. If this is helpful for you, if looking at the moon and looking at Saturn in those archetypes is helpful for you in your chart, good, then use it. Again, take what resonates, leaves what doesn't. Um, I find that to be, well, it didn't resonate as strongly with me. It didn't resonate as strongly with me. Um, I'll tell you what definitely started resonating with me was the more I learned about Ceres. And this is an asteroid, a Ceres asteroid. And technically Ceres was promoted to a dwarf planet. I don't know if you know this or if I've said this on the show. Maybe I said this on Shadow Checks. But Ceres is technically larger in mass than Pluto. So Pluto got demoted from planet to dwarf planet and Ceres got promoted from asteroid to dwarf planet because it's so flipping humongous. Um, regardless, the point is, is that the reason we continue, continually uh, refer to Ceres as an asteroid is because of the mythological connection because we look at those asteroids as these four goddess archetypes. Um, so astronomically speaking, not an asteroid, just wanted to put that out there. However, the point I'm trying to make is that Ceres in modern astrology is really being more associated, I guess is the best way to say it, is starting to be more and more associated with the mother archetype than the moon. Some modern astrologers say the moon straight up doesn't represent our mother and that series does. Here's what I will say. Our mother and father. So when we think about the chart, like I said, that when we look at the chart, it's a whole person, right? So if you're looking at your birth chart right now and you're, you're thinking of it in terms of this is a complex chart that represents a complex person, right? with complex experiences, complicated thoughts, complicated feelings, right? There's a lot of nuance. There's a, not, a lot of dynamics here to be taken into consideration. A lot of different factors and variables all the time. We know this within us because we live inside of ourselves and we know how fucking complicated it feels on the inside every single day. Um, the chart is a beautiful to me, a really beautiful representation visually of that, of all the just feels like chaos happening inside of us all the time. So let me ask you this, being the complicated, complex, dynamic being that you are, does your mom, does your dad, does, does whoever your caregivers were, which could be a mom and a dad, could be a mom or a dad, it could be we could be adding on other family members in there. It could be adoptive. It could, there are so many. I just want, first and foremost, I want you to broaden your perspective and think back to when you were dependent and think of all, all of the caregiving around you. Any role around you that could have been considered a caregiver. Okay. All of those people and experiences in our lives as dependents, later on, you know, those embed themselves in us, those little seeds plant, and later on manifest in all different kinds of ways as we get older into adulthood. Can you tell me in that tangled web inside of you 
that you can just pinpoint where your mom is and where your dad is, where your caregivers are. Oh yeah, this part of me is 100%, 1000% my mom, not influenced by anything else. No, no. I hope the answer is no. It's no, you can't pinpoint that. Anyone who played a caregiver role in our life made an impact on us. And that seed planted and sprouted and bloomed and branched out in a multitude of ways among all these other seeds that were also being planted and sprouting and branching out. And they all got tangled in with each other to create messy yet beautiful, complicated you, okay? And that's, that is why when it comes to using astrology for parenting, I think that Saturn and the moon and Ceres, I think that these placements obviously are wonderful jumping off points. They provide us with wonderful starting points and guidance and direction. But they are not the end-all, be-all of the story. For example, if we were talking about Saturn, and let's just take Saturn at this face value as the archetype of father in the chart that let's just hypothetically say Saturn just straight up represents your father. Great. However, the planets in your chart are making aspects to each other. They're interacting with each other. So it's not just so simple to say, oh, well, my Saturn is my, well, your Saturn is being influenced by all of these other planets that it's aspecting in the chart. The main point being that it's not just Saturn as a singular player in the equation. That's what I mean. That's why the moon because they're your emotions and your emotional needs and how those needs get met and how you meet the needs of others. Of course, I can see how the mother archetype shows up here. Saturn being your experiential learning, your commitments. What comes of those commitments that you either keep or, or let go of or don't keep? natural consequences, if you will, if you will. Yes, it makes sense to me why we see the father archetype there. But I do not want to misdirect you and have you thinking it's so simple as the moon represents your mom and the and Saturn represents your dad. That jacked me up over a long time because, well, because it watered down those placements for me. And the truth is, is that every single placement in your chart is this beautifully nuanced character that it, it can't be so simplified as that. Just like you as a person can't be so simplified and, and watered down as that. It's just, it just is more complex than that. So when you start looking into your moon and you start looking into Saturn, instead of going, oh, I'm going to learn about the moon and learn about my mom. I want you to learn about your moon sign with the intention or, or by wearing the lens of mother archetype. I'm specifically connecting with my moon sign today with the archetype of mother at the forefront of this study. In that regard, you're definitely going to you're definitely going to be able to see how how emotional needs were what your actual emotional needs are, especially when you were this pure dependent child. Then you can start understanding, oh, well I know that this is how they were met or I know that this is how they were neglected or, or abused or not met. Um, I know that this is how I witnessed other caregivers having and experiencing their own emotional needs. That's a really, really big one. We always, it's easy to think about, well, how was I taken care of? Well, of course, you know, you take that into consideration. But if you can go even further 
and say, how did my caregivers care for themselves? You'll actually, if you ask yourself that question, you will find some seriously accurate information for yourself. You don't even need your chart for that. You could just have a good old journal and pen for that question. Um, because very, very often we just automatically translate it as however I was cared for is how I've learned how to care give. And it is obviously a part of it, but the truth is, is an equally important part of it is how we observed caregiving. Um, if you are a parent, if you've ever parented or, or had a lot of experience with very, very, very young children, like toddler and preschool age, they go through this intensely ridiculous mimicking stage. It's very, very normal and very on par with development that we just start copying and mimicking everything around us because it's how we learn. And rarely, rarely do our children copy the the scripted and the manicured and the polished experiences. You know, rarely are, is it those memories where our kid is, is exemplifying and mimicking, oh, you know, that wonderful conversation that I sat my kid down and I had with them about this because I had read this really great article and I wanted to make sure that we talked about it. Yeah, and that conversation still probably made a positive impact on them. But the truth is, and again, especially if you're a parent, you already know this. When we're kids, what we're paying way more attention to is when we're in what I, let me rephrase that. When we're kids and we find ourselves in observation mode, we're rarely in observation mode when we're being taught. When a teacher is taking on a teacher role and teaching us something, we're usually in learning mode and our brain is trying to absorb this information and understand how to process it. We're not actually observing that person's behavior a lot of the times. But when when things are quiet, when that, that teacher role is not being activated, but we're still around that person in our lives, we tend to go into observation mode. And especially, especially for kids, when this happens is during those inevitable times that you can't be focused on your kids. You know, you know whether it's some kind of like job commitment that you're holding up or, I mean, for me, like the example coming to me right now is in the process of trying to sell our home, you know, there will be these nights where my husband and I have to go through a ton of paperwork and contract review and talk about things with each other. And they're really, really important. We have to do them, especially on a certain deadline when you're in this process. Um, and there's nothing I can do about that. My daughter has to kind of fend for herself during that time where we're, you know, in grown-up mode. We're usually being stressed out by whatever the task is at hand, especially in this case. Um, and we're really focused on it. She is in super observation mode during that time. She is watching us and absorbing everything we do like a hawk, even if she's not physically looking at us. She's absorbing everything we do. And this is actually a good thing, even though <laughs> even though as a parent, it definitely feels really inconvenient because you're like, God damn it. Of course, you're paying attention when I'm not paying attention and you're not paying attention to me when I want you to be paying attention. Don't, don't get me wrong. I feel you. But it, it is actually a cool thing that we do this. Um, and it, it serves a cool purpose because essentially, especially in this particular example I'm giving, in times of stress, when your caregivers were experiencing external stress, um, we naturally, as dependents, would go into observation mode because we also experience stress. And right off of the bat, we begin relating to this person because we have firsthand experienced strenuous experiences. 
And right off the bat, we start watching. Honestly, think about it. Even when we're not kids, we do this. The second we see people having a hard time and struggling, we really start paying attention, don't we? We really start paying attention to every little move and decision somebody makes. Think about fucking celebrities. As soon as somebody starts struggling, the Wikipedia research comes out, doesn't it? You pull up their Instagram instantly. You're looking at their stories, how they comment, right? All of a sudden, we're observing and paying attention to how they're handling this stressful event in their life. And we do the same exact thing as kids. Again, maybe a little inconvenient if you're a parent, but it makes a lot of sense because they're getting a real-time example. Oh, I've been noticing that mom is totally off. Her energy has definitely been off. The vibe's been off. I'm feeling weird. Now, a kid may not be able to articulate any of that, but that's very, very much somatically what's going on for them. And so their auto responses turn on, which in this case are their observation skills, and they immediately go into observation mode and they watch. And they get this real-time example right in front of them. And this is why it's so, so, so important to take the responsibility on of of being our own caregiver. Because when you accept that responsibility within yourself and you treat yourself that way through any kind of difficult, challenging situation for yourself, you are exemplifying that naturally in real time for those around you, especially your kids, if you have any kids. Now, I, so we've kind of covered a few planetary characters, okay? Moon, Saturn, and Ceres are wonderful, as far as planets go, wonderful places, uh, characters and, and, and players to start with in the chart to start learning about, okay, we know that this is what my moon sign means. These are my emotional needs. Um, and these are what my emotional needs look like. And this is how I need to meet them. But what did that look like in contrast in childhood? How did I see other people taking care of themselves? Saturn is very much, okay, what lessons were I taught or what lessons were I taught throughout this life? that I took right away, that just made sense to me and I learned right away? And what did I have to kind of learn repeatedly or what did I have to kind of learn the experiential or the hard way? Um, And again, you'll probably sift through and find some connections to father archetype here. Ceres gets a little bit more specific than the moon in that this is our ability to nurture and and give nourishment. And so this is why the series asteroid is so closely related to food and eating. Um, and definitely makes sense, again, why we're going to see that mother archetype there, especially when you look at the archetype of like the breastfeeding journey and nourishment physically coming from the mother to the child. Um, Again, makes a lot of sense why we're going to see that those themes in the series asteroid. So when you look at moon, kind of go more in the emotional needs direction. And when you're examining series for yourself, um, take a look at, you know, go through the lens of, of nourishment and that kind of caregiving. Okay. Now, When I say, when you're looking at your moon, when you're looking at your Saturn, you can do this both in your own chart for yourself and you can use the charts of your loved ones or your dependents or your children, whoever you're wanting to take a look at. So what can be really helpful is to first, if you are a parent, for example, is to start out with your chart. And, and maybe you're starting out with the moon and starting out with Saturn and starting out with Ceres, keeping all of these things in mind that we've been talking about, looking at where those placements are for you, which house they're in. Hopefully right off the bat, you're starting to get some connections. Oh, yep, that makes sense. You know, I definitely experienced that in childhood. Oh, yep, that was my dad to a T, right? I hope that those start happening right off the bat. And then I want you to look at the other person's chart. This could be your own parent, 
a caregiver of yours, or again, a dependent or child of yours. And start to compare and contrast here. Look at their moon sign. Look at their Saturn. Look at their series. If you are really working with specifically mother archetype, for example, look at both your series placement and the series placement of your dependent, or maybe you're looking at the series placement of your actual mother or your caregiver. And what connections do you see right off the bat? Do your series placements oppose one another? Are they making a really hard aspect? Are they making kind of a harmonious aspect? Do those things make sense and resonate with you? Or are you kind of finding and coming up with some head scratchers? It doesn't matter. Keep going. Keep going. Whether you're finding answers or whether you're finding that you're asking more and more questions along the way, I promise you the astrology is is still doing its job. Um, when it comes to when it comes to the houses and like specific areas of your chart that you can look at, the fifth house is the most associated with parenting and caregiving. Um, in a lot, you've probably heard me on the show say that the fifth house is considered the house of legacies. Um, and I would even specify that even more to say legacies of the heart, heart centered activities, passions of the heart. So yes, this is where our, if we have any children, we can definitely see that activity in the fifth house. Um, but we also, we also can see things like our creative endeavors, our authenticity journey, our self-expression, that imprint that we leave behind, that impression that we leave from, you know, this, that the heart-centered artwork that we created or the passionate project that we put out into the world and the ripples that that's going to have later on. This is all fifth house stuff. Again, even if you have an empty fifth house, whether or not you're a parent, that's not necessarily indicative of you becoming a parent or not. Because like I said at the beginning, I've seen charts with both. I've seen a nice stacked fifth house for people that are parents. And I've seen a totally empty house for people that were parents. I've seen an empty house for people that weren't parents. And I've seen a stacked fifth house for people that weren't parents. It's, it, it, again, it totally and completely depends. Look at the fifth house as that house of legacies and passions of the heart. You can work with this house by, well, you can definitely pay attention to every single month when the moon goes into that house. And that would be a wonderful time every month to kind of examine or do a little bit of a, a check-in with yourself about that house and the area of life or the areas of life that it governs for you. So that would be a wonderful, wonderful way to work with the fifth house every single month um, is every time the moon goes there. Take a look at where your fifth house is and what time of year is the sun in that house, okay? Um, who is the ruler of that house? So find the start of the fifth house, which would be called the cusp of the fifth house. Find that. What sign is it in? And what planet rules that sign? That is the planetary ruler of your fifth house. Once you determine that, you can say, okay, well, this is the planetary ruler of this house. This is, this is the planetary energy kind of calling the shots for this house, okay? This is, it's really helpful to use the, the house ruler, especially if you have an empty house, um, especially if there is nothing in that house. I would encourage you to instantly look at the, the planetary ruler of that house to get a little bit more accurate, uh, you know, get a bit more accurate, accurate scope of what's going on and what the flavor of that area of life is for you. 
um, go ahead and take a look at that chart ruler. Look at it as the captain of that ship, as the captain of the fifth house for you. What kind of shots might it be calling? What kind of decisions might it be making? Uh, what kind of judgments might it be making? And if you want to take it a step further, get a little bit more advanced with it, you can also take a look at where that planet is in your chart. So if the ruler of your fifth house is Venus, because Libra or Taurus rules your fifth house, where is your Venus placement? Is it in that fifth house? Is it somewhere else? Is it a part of some hard aspects? Is it a part of some harmonious aspects? You kind of take a look at the status of that planet in your chart to get an even more accurate look of who the captain of that ship is, who the captain of that, that area of life is for you, okay? Um, and that's a wonderful, wonderful way to work with the energy of the fifth house and to embody it, especially if it's empty for you and there's no planetary energy already there for you to work with. Look to the ruler of that house. Um, okay, so we need, we've kind of looked at some of the good planetary characters. We've talked a little bit about the, the main house that is associated with, with parenting and caregiving. Um, I want you, I want to put this out there to you. In order to access your best caregiver that resides within you, you have to take on that same role and responsibility for yourself. If you want to be a better parent to your kids, if you want to be a better caregiver to your dependents, I promise you that starts at home. This is a huge lesson that the fifth house teaches us and why it's such a heart-centered place. It really does start at home. There is no accessing the best of that potential so long as you are keeping a huge part of that potential from your own self. I promise you that no matter how many parenting books you read, no matter how many parenting coaches you follow, that if you don't give a shit about how you take care of yourself and how you reparent yourself, there, it's almost hopeless. It is almost hopeless to become a better parent. I, I would honestly venture to say it is actually hopeless because how? How can one truly, truly say that they're accessing their best caregiver if the main one person they are for sure responsible for for the rest of their life in this life, which is themselves, they don't care about. How would it be possible to be your best caregiver if you don't care about yourself? If you want to answer that, you really do have an answer for me. I'd love to hear it. But the truth is, is I, I really, I really do believe in not only my own experiences, but the experiences around me that I've witnessed, that I've read about, that I've heard, that I've studied, you don't get to skip out on taking care of yourself and be nearly as effective for others as you may think that you are. So, so what I want you to do when it comes to being a better parent or being a better caregiver with astrology is I want you to first and foremost be willing to go within. I want you to be willing to look at your own childhood wounds, at your own caregiver wound. I want you to be willing to do the repairs and the healing necessary to offer yourself the nourishment that you were denied in that case. I want you to see yourself as valuable as the dependent or the child that you're wanting to utilize these strengths for as well outside of yourself. I want you to see yourself as just as divine, just as divine, a fractal, of, of source as you see this dependent or this child outside of you. And I know it's hard. 
I struggle with self-worth stuff. I struggle with self-image stuff. I struggle with taking care of myself. My north node is in my sixth house, the house of caring for yourself. It is literally one of my biggest lessons in this life that I'm trying to learn. It's very hard. I understand that and it's valid. And every single time, every single time, I I straight up neglect caring for myself. It directly impacts how I am as a parent and a caregiver outside of myself. That's my experience, at least. So, yes, utilize the placements. Take a look at the moon. Take a look at Saturn. Take a look at Ceres. See where they're aspecting. Take a look at your fifth house. Do this for your dependents. Do this for your children. Look at their charts. Look at your parents' charts. But don't abandon yourself along the way. Remember that it starts at home, okay? I I know that... Um, you know, that we could go so, so in depth into this. And you know what? This is something that I really, really want to do like a formal workshop for one day. So maybe we'll do that if everybody's interested in it. But um, for now, I think that this is plenty to get started on. Those areas of the chart for you and others um, in your caregiving archetypal journey, that's plenty, plenty to start going off of to start sifting out some very big connections and answers for yourself. So I hope that that offers you some, some help. I hope that this gives you some insight and mainly some direction to head in because, you know, we do want to use astrology to better our lives or to be better people. Um, especially for the sake of people that we care about and love. And I promise you that when you turn that same care in and on in on yourself and say, I want to, I want to learn how to utilize this because I really care about just showing up for myself and taking care of myself. That is going to beautifully overflow out into the rest of your life, into the people that you love and the communities that, and groups of people that you care about in your life. I promise, I promise it will help you greatly help you access uh, your best caregiver much, much easier. So um, before we go, it is time for the neighbor highlight. So all last month, I have been gathering submissions for our neighbor highlight question last month that I asked last full moon. Um, I asked all of you, I posed a question to the neighborhood. When was the first time you really, really felt like a witch. And I was so excited by all of the entries that um, that were submitted. So thank you so much to everybody who submitted. I'm going to try and get through all of them um, as best that I can, but I don't want to, you know, we could be on here for a long time. So I still want to be as concise as possible and respectful of all of your time. But we got some beautiful submissions, some beautiful entries. I cannot wait to share with all of you. Um, let's see here first. I'm in, None of these are in any particular order. I just got all the submissions gathered on my phone and the computer in front of me. And I want to read through as many as possible for all of you. So, um... The question was, when was the first time you really felt like a witch? First shout out goes to Farron. Hi, Farron. I loved your submission. Farron said, the first time I actually felt like a witch was a couple of months ago. My little cousin called me while in the middle of a panic attack, and I could literally feel that energy leaving her and rushing into me. She calmed down, eyeballed my eyes out, had a long scalding shower, and then slept like a baby. She called the next day to tell me that while talking to me, she could feel, oh, that while talking to me, she could feel it washing away in waves. I've just started with energy work, and that one experience makes me want to do this for the rest of my life. Ah, oh, beautiful. 
so many of these got me really emotional too um, because I knew this was such a special question and experience to all of you. I love experiences like that. I got a submission from Lunar Mischief here on, on Instagram. Truthfully, the first time was when I was a little kid. Me too, by the way. <laughs> from Sasha, the pagan homemaker, Sasha, Sasha said, once I had my altar set up as a teen and pulled a card at it daily. Little things like that was when Sasha very first felt like a witch. And you know what's so funny? I totally agree with that. Sometimes I feel, even now, at my absolute most purely magical in the most simple things that I do. Next, we've got from Brittany, also submitted on Instagram. Brittany said... She first felt like a witch when her girlfriend asked her to cleanse her house that she was putting on the market. Um, then she said, then your girlfriend said she was grateful to be dating a witch and that the house felt better. And then there was finally movement on getting it sold. Hell yes. I love when a first like really feeling like a witch moment is because of a beautiful manifestation like that where you you perform some simple but effective magic and energy work and you totally got to see that tangible result on the other side hell yes hell yes um then lots and lots of my students in that witch school also submitted answers here so first Let's see here. I loved the answer from Mary Sue. If you've been listening to the show for a little while, including um, recently, uh, I mentioned Mary Sue. She's been on the show before. She's a wonderful client of mine. She's been a guest teacher for us twice in that witch school. I really, really loved Mary Sue's answer here. Um, I think I knew about my magic from a very young age, but after losing my faith, I lost it for a while. Thinking way back, I think the first time I really felt magical when I, was when I was probably between the ages of four and five. I was obsessed with fairies, as many four and five-year-olds are, and I would spend tons of time playing in the garden, making little fairy houses with my older sister. Older sisters, sorry. One day, I found a letter from the fairies. For months, I wrote back and forth with the fairies in our yard, leaving little notes for them in the tiny houses we built, checking back each day to see when they would take the letter and write me back. As you can probably guess, it was not letters from the fairies, the quote, fairies in our yard. My dad wrote these letters in the tiniest of handwriting on the tiniest of paper, decorated with fairy dust. He made me feel so special by doing this. I really thought that I was the creme de la creme, the most magical kid on the block. That little period of my life was so sweet and precious. I felt so connected to mother nature, and I really believed that I was a magical girl that could probably do anything I put my mind to. I would sit in the garden and talk to the fairies while I waited for their letters. I'm sure that between me, my sister, and my dad, there were most likely many earth spirits around us even if they weren't Faye specifically. And I'm grateful that my dad taught me how to connect with them like that. <laughs> I love that story. I got very teary the first time that I read that story. <laughs> I love that so, so much, Mary Sue. Um, next submission was from Jenny. Jenny SRP, my girl. Jenny said... A few personal things came together for me and kind of ebbed and flowed and transformed and went on its own journey before I fully embraced witch. Meeting you and discovering what witch means to you and knowing it didn't have to be tied to a dogma was another final piece. I've probably opened up, oh, I've probably openly called, been calling myself a witch for almost a year now. Yay, Jenny! Thank you. I was so, I felt so honored that I was part of your witch experience. Uh, let's see here, Sonia. Sonia said, two years ago, I had a conversation with a friend who I was explaining my feelings on spirituality, dislike of religions, my connection to what we had been giving naturally and celebrating our seasons. She made the comment that I sounded like a witch. So I bought a book on witchcraft and kinds of witches and was like, damn, I'm a witch. I felt like I had a path that just opened up. I was really happy and excited to start working purposefully with the practice. Oh, 
I really relate to this story so, so much myself. Um, I'll never forget one of the first books I picked up um, years and years ago now on kind of natural magic and reading it and going, oh my God, I have somehow always believed this, even though I was never consciously taught this by anyone in my family or anything like that. Um, and, and I, I love experiences like that when, you know, you just get this little tip and then you open up a book and you're like, holy cow. (laughs) I love that. Next we have Jen. Jen said, I'd have to say when I watched the movie Teen Witch, then I watched the craft and felt even more connected. Though I remember having a deep connection to the earth from my earliest memory, I'd make potions and various things, usually like sticks and mud, rocks, etc. But when I really, really felt that I was a witch was after my son died and all of my gifts came out in force and was the first time I stepped foot into a metaphysical store and the owner telling me that I was powerful and need to learn to contain them. Now that I've had healing the past eight years, I'm ready to welcome my gifts again and I'm feeling them unfold yet again. (sighs) I love this story, Jen, because it's such a coming full circle, something that sprouted and you sensed and began in childhood and it totally made its way. You found your way back to magic. I love that so much. So beautiful. Next is from Andrea. Andrea said, the first time I really felt like a witch without fear of judgment was January of 2023, this year. This was after being able to release the father wound. I started dabbling into witchcraft at age 15, but was super shamed for it. I'm so thankful for this community that is supportive for us just being us in our witchy ways and for everyone's eagerness to help others, such as myself, to level up in my witch game. Can't wait to harness more power being balanced in divine masculine and feminine, utilizing tools to bring my best foot forward each day as a badass, bona fide, wild, untamed witch that I am. Those that judge me for it can suck it. Seriously, this school is amazing. Thank you, Danny. Oh my God, Andrea, you're the best. I love this so, so, so much. Um, Hell yeah for your healing journey and reclaiming that powerful title of witch on the other side. Fuck yes, I love that. Kayla said, I've really grown into my witchiness over the last year. My best friend and I started having deeper conversations about the universe and spirituality, and we realized everyone and everything is full of magic. Witches are the ones who recognize it and choose to work with it. Ugh. Mic drop. Kayla, I fucking love that so much. And it's so special to discover that a friend of ours is already in tune with with energy work and magic and witchcraft. And we get to embark on that journey with them. Beautiful. And Aaron said, I think I always knew, but I didn't know what to call it. When I was young, I had to come to terms with the fact that not everyone shared my experiences. I remember lucid dreaming a lot, and if I asked my friends or family about it to try and gain understanding, they'd look at me like I had eight heads. I learned that I was different and that it was better not to talk about it. As a parent, things have shifted. I talk to my children about magic, and I validate their unique gifts. A couple of years ago, when I was picking my son up from daycare, one of his teachers approached me and apologetically explained to me that my son had announced to all of his friends that his mama was a witch. The other kids chided him and told him that he shouldn't say mean things, but he hadn't meant to be mean. He was just being honest. What could I do? I laughed and said, well, he's not wrong. The kids all laughed too and never made a big deal about it again. Now he loves telling people that his mama is a witch and I've learned to just roll with it. I love, love, love that story specifically at the end of our our episode today. It coincides perfectly with this astrology and caregiving that we talked about, um, that we talked about all day today. I love, that's another similar coming full circle, something that sprouted and started in childhood, came full circle later on in adulthood. And it is a beautiful example of generational healing and cycle breaking. I love it. 
And our final submission came from Carol. And Carol said, let's see here. The first time I felt like a witch was probably somewhere in my teen years when I could go outside and would breathe in and out with the wind and would almost feel like I could control it. I didn't connect it with any possibility of being a witch, but it, but I felt very in tune with the elements. Ooh, and he said, could have something to do with being an air sign, perhaps. Hell yeah, that has a lot to do with being an air sign. I love this idea. Oh yeah, that's right. You said uh, you're a Libra sun, Carol. Um, I love that you're an air sign and that when you were a teenager, you would go outside and breathe in and out with the wind and almost feel like you could control it. Oh my God, what a beautiful organic air experience right there. I loved, absolutely loved reading through these. I felt so honored that you all shared these stories, not only with me, but with the neighborhood here. Because what I'm hoping is that in these neighbor highlights, when I I ask these big conceptual questions to everybody, I hope that we all can kind of normalize these experiences. We can help other people feel really validated in their memories and their experiences as well. Um, and, and help encourage a lot of people to continue embracing their own inner authentic witch. Um, that's ultimately what I want to do by connecting all of us here in the neighbor highlight is, is to utilize the platform platform here on the podcast to bring all of you together as well. Um, so before I leave you, I got to give you our next question for the month and I'll read any submissions at our next full moon, okay? So the question for this month, for the next neighbor highlight, please send me your submissions. Um, send them to me on Instagram, DMs. If you're on Mighty Networks, you can DM me. I'll also post in Mighty Networks so that you can comment there. You can send me an email. You can respond to your school bulletin newsletter if you're in that witch school, or you can always go to thatwitchnextdoor.com slash conjure that witch and send me a submission there. Okay. So the question for the next neighbor highlight is what is magic? How do you define it? I am so looking forward to reading your answers. Don't hold back. Remember to be a little bit concise so that I can read through everybody's submissions. All of the submissions we read through today were perfect um, to give you a reference, but um, I would love to read as many as possible. So please, please, please don't hold back. Um, and please feel free to send yours, What is Magic?, and how do you define it? Because I cannot wait to read your answers on this one. Thank you all so much for your time today. And every day, I hope you got some value out of this episode. Um, please let me know if there's anything, any other questions, um, especially if there's any other direction or additional episodes after this episode that you'd like me to continue going in um, now that we started kind of peeling back some layers on using astrology to be a better, in this case, caregiver. Um, so let me know if there's anything else that you'd like to hear about, how we can utilize astrology to improve our lives, use witchcraft um, in specific areas of our lives. I'd love to dive, uh, dive into those. So again, thank you. You're the best. I appreciate you and your time. I hope that you have a beautiful rest of your week. I hope you have fun digging into your astrology and connecting with it through this archetypal lens of caregiving. Don't forget to send me your submission for the neighbor highlight. What is magic? How do you define it? You can find all my information in the show notes below. And I hope you have a fun rest of your week. Make sure you stay safe and stay magical out there, my friend. so much for listening. If you enjoyed that witch podcast today, I would be super, super grateful if you would take a moment to head over to Apple or Spotify and leave a rating and review. It really helps to support the show. Or if you just have a friend that you think would enjoy what we're doing, what we're talking about here, you can just share the show with them as well. Now, if you yourself like what you're doing here and you want to get more into the magic of the neighborhood, I highly recommend checking out my monthly membership, That Witch School. It's kind of like a witchier, more interactive uh, 
style of Patreon subscription, where you can enroll at a tier level that fits your lifestyle and budget. You can get instant access to all of the bonus content that we've already done, as well as all of the future amazing to come bonus content that we'll be doing in the future together. There's exercises for strengthening your intuition. There are loads of resources for studying astrology and learning your birth chart. We've got guest workshops, bonus episodes, exclusive discounts, and so much more. My full-time students also get exclusive access to Mighty Networks, our private online community platform, which is basically like a way better and way more magical social media platform with a bunch of really cool people like you that just want to learn from and support one another on this witchy spiritual journey. If this sounds like something that you would really enjoy, head over to that witchnextdoor.com slash enroll and explore the tier level of that witch school that would fit you today. Now, if you have any questions after the episode today, any inquiries, show suggestions, anything you'd like to share with me, you can head over to that witchnextdoor.com slash conjure that witch. Remember, I'm just always right next door. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next episode.